Welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast, and I'm your host, Stella Atwood. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Same 24 Hours Podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Atwood, with my co-host, Stella Atwood. have a bit of a guest today. So we are interviewing CrossFit Games athlete Patrick Vellner, and mom of the year pulled her daughter, who's a CrossFit nut, out of school today for this interview. So how are you feeling? Nervous, but really excited. So what are you going to ask him? Uh, who do you get your red hair from? <laughs> because I looked in his um, his documentary, and, and one of the parts was with his whole family, and none of them had red hair. So I was like, that's a good question. Awesome. So why is Patrick Vellner one of your favorites? Because I know you love James Newberry. Of course, we love James. And then like, and Brent Fakowski is yeah. one of your favorites, but you've always liked Pat Vellner too. So what, what is it that you like? Oh, my thing just dinged. What is it you like best about Patrick? He's funny. He's different from all the other people. What do you mean? stands out more yeah like with his strength because he's very strong yeah because in his documentary people thought he was a figure skater <laughs> is that true yeah he he went around holding a poster um do you think i'm a figure skater a fitness athlete um what was the other one i don't know what the other one was but most people thought he was a figure skater so oh that's funny <laughs> i like how you did your research for this podcast I have a lot of things. You have a lot of questions. Yeah. Any other fun facts we could tell the audience before oh, he we got... talk to him? I want to make sure we get on all these fun facts because that was a good one. He he fell in the 2018 CrossFit Games. He fell from the cargo net and hurt his shoulder. We were there. Yeah. That was rough to watch. Scary. He also did gymnastics in high school. All right. So we're getting ready to interview him. Are you ready? Oh, wait, he won Waterpalooza, but still did the Open. Last year? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I'm very excited about this podcast. Me too. All right, let's get started. Yeah. Hi, and welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. And we have a very special guest today. Patrick Vellner is here. Hi. Hey guys, how are you? We're good. So um, I was mom of the year and pulled my daughter out of school for this interview. So. <laughs> <laughs> CrossFit first, education second. No, just kidding. Just kidding. So we are very excited to speak with you. We have been a big fan for a long time and Stella got interested in CrossFit a couple years ago. And um, yeah, so here we are. So welcome. Thank you very much. Stella, what grade are you in? Fifth. Okay. So are you are you okay missing school today? You're not going to miss anything too important. Uh, I'm happy. Okay. Because <laughs> you should know that I I'm, I value education pretty highly. I still I only just graduated school myself, so That's stick right. with it. School is super important. I know, I know. That's what I and like. I feel like um, I was kind of scolded by the front desk today too. But I may take her back <laughs> after this because yeah, we don't miss school for much to be honest. That's right. Perfect. That's but good. This, That's all know, I wanted to make sure. Yeah. Stay in school, kids. <laughs> All right, Stella, you got a question? Yes. Okay, let's lead with let's, let's lead with it. a really great one. Are you ready? Who sure. Do you, who do you get your red your red hair from? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my dad. My dad actually. We have like the exact same hair, and we actually look like eerily similar. So when I look at photos from you know he's he's thirty years older than I am. So when I look at pictures of him, you know, in the nineties when he was like my age, uh, he look, we look the exact same. It looks like I went back in time. So it's actually really, it's crazy. So, 
Uh, I've had that my whole life. Everybody's saying how crazy it is, how we look exactly the same. All of his friends, like my parents' friends, would look at me and just think it was spooky because it looked like they were looking at my dad. Oh, that's you know, funny. 10, 10, 20 years earlier, right? Yeah. So um, it's it's crazy. But yeah, we're, we look almost identical. That's um, funny. So Stella and I were at the games last year and we were there this year, but we got, we were at the um, battleground when you took the tumble off the cargo net <laughs> and I guess Matt, did he come right behind you? It was like, boom, no, boom. he was first. Matt was in front. Matt yeah. Was Matt was first. Oh my gosh. So how, how bad were you hurt after that? Uh, I knocked the wind out of myself pretty good. So that next little, those next couple obstacles, I couldn't breathe very well. I had to take it pretty slow. I snapped back a little bit by the time we were out of the obstacle section and back to the run. But um, I like, I mean, I, I bruised my lung actually after that on that fall. So when I finished the event and sort of for the last, you know, four minutes of that event, I was had a lot of blood in my mouth oh, and geez. I was kind of I was coughing up blood out of my lungs uh, and I had to go get checked out at the hospital between that event and the next one, which is the uh, clean and jerk speed ladder. So I had to go get checked out and get cleared by the medical staff. And, you know, they basically were like, yep, you have, they were pretty on the fence. They almost pulled me out of the games, but they were like, yeah, you're, you're okay. We think it's probably, (laughs) probably won't, you probably won't make it worse. Um, But, you know, because of a fall like that, like I had internal damage, right? So they're like, look, we don't know the extent of everything. So there's a chance that things could go from feeling okay to being urgent very quickly if something happens so it was sort of like a you know emergency light on like having the engine light on for the rest of the competition and just being like you know pay attention because if things start feeling weird don't ignore it because it could be something serious so they really they checked up on me kind of between every event before and after I took the floor every time there'd be like a medical staff guy waiting to, to receive me on the other end of the competition oh floor. My gosh. So there's, you know, there's times where you kind of try to hide that stuff and, and battle through. But when that was like reasonably had the potential to be reasonably serious. So um, you have to take it seriously. And uh, I, I was like, you know, making sure that I was okay. Well, and, and also with like your, you were in, you just graduated from chiropractic school, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you were in school and training and, and so how did that, did that impact your kind of <clears throat> mental state at all? Or as far as, being you know, like, it's kind of, it's kind of or... funny. I always tell people that it's like those sort of things. Yeah. That helps me a lot during training and helps me pay attention to my body and understand what's going on and, and be able to do what's best for me. But in competition, you kind of just ignore all that stuff. So it's this weird disconnection where you're like, okay, during, during training and I'm going to, I know how to do what's best for myself, but in competition, you really ignore a lot of that stuff. And it's, that's just like time to not listen to all those red flags. So when we finished that event, like I, I was at the finish line and we have waters at the finish line. And as soon as I hit the finish mat, I like coughed a little bit and like full on the finish line has that big white stripe on it. And coughed like a huge red gob, like right onto the finish line. And I was like, oh, shit. And so I kind of <laughs> like, and I just really quickly like did a field test where I was like, okay, well, where's the blood coming from? Like, it doesn't feel like, you know, my teeth are messed up or like I didn't bite my lip anywhere. You know, you get that little bit of swelling. Like my mouth felt fine. So I, I rinsed my mouth out with water a couple times and then just like held some water in my mouth for a bit and then spat it out and it was perfectly clear. So the blood wasn't coming from my mouth which is bad. <laughs> so, and then I like, I coughed again a couple times, like just did a deliberate, you know, chest cough and then spat again. And it was like crimson, crimson red. Oh, so I was like, Oh, no. that's not good. That means that it's coming from like somewhere in my lungs probably. So like I did the quick self-diagnosis, which was like, you know, if it was, if I felt like it was anything other than my lungs, I probably wouldn't have even mentioned it to anybody, but I walked off and I was like, Hey, I should probably, yeah. Like put a hand up and say, Hey guys. Um, But so yeah, I was, I mean, at that point I knew obviously it had the potential to be reasonably serious. Um, In the next, you know, hour and a half, it's, it stopped. Like I stopped coughing blood. I think it was a combination of, you know, when you have a hard exercise or hard like workout and you start, you're like coughing a little bit at the end of it because you had just been breathing so hard. So I had a little bit of that going on combined with, you know, the trauma, but within an hour and a half, it had kind of gone away. And then they were kind of like, well, it's because you just you stop coughing, like your system set down. That doesn't mean that your your like lungs have stopped bleeding. Like we don't Jeez. know, 
the extent of the damage. So they, I didn't want to go get go to the hospital, but they were like, yeah, you have to go get it checked out or we won't clear you. So um, anyway, it was a bit of, it was some scary moments, like just mostly because you don't want to, I mean, you put a lot into preparing for a competition like that and then you don't want to not be allowed to finish. Right. So you, that was only the second day of competition. Right. Uh, and so it was kind of like you, in the moment you're worried more about your competition and, you know, your opportunity to perform and, and, you know, show what you worked for as opposed to being worried about, you know, your, your life, <laughs> which is what, which is what they're worried about, which is fair. Like at, at the end of the day, you know, when you, all the, the games is finished and, you know, everything is kind of dwindled away. You're like, okay, I'm glad that, you know, we did our due diligence and we did that because those guys are there to look after you and they do a good job of it. And they're not willing to, if they're not willing to take the risk, like you have to appreciate that, yeah. why they're doing that, right? Yeah. They're not just doing it because they want to take you out of competition to, for spite, like they want you to survive. Right, right. So, well, you went on to take second, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, so worked really? out. And you lived because we're talking to you. So all's Yeah, exactly. Well. All's well yeah. that's well, exactly. So. All right, Stella, what you got next? What is your favorite CrossFit movement? Uh-huh. That's a good question. I've probably I've been kicked around by most of them. So, <laughs> um, I, I I mean I came from a gymnastics background, so I usually like stuff that's higher skill, uh, where you have kind of the chance to gain an advantage with a technical prowess. So I think stuff like rope climbs I really like, like high rope climbs or things like that, um, where you know high efficiency is really valuable. Uh, and it's fun. Climbing stuff is fun. Going high, coming down. I think that if you're not scared of heights or, you know, you're very comfortable with those sort of movements, you can gain a, a pretty significant advantage over the field just by moving confidently and comfortably. Um, so, yeah, that's probably my favorite. I've never been a huge barbell guy. Um, and nowadays, like the most of the other gymnastics skills, like, you know, handstand walking and muscle-ups and stuff, everyone's just so good that there's no there's no advantage to be gained almost. I think that's funny. You say you're not a big barbell guy. You, you killed the total, the CrossFit total. Yeah. Your <laughs> yeah. Was heavy. I think, I think that was like a, it's better to be lucky than good type situation. Cause <laughs> the, the way the total is like, you could be the best presser in the field by a, a huge margin. And it doesn't matter at all. Cause the press numbers are like, less than half of what your squat and your deadlift are going to be so if you're the best presser it doesn't matter you might yeah. as well it doesn't you, you waste it's a waste it's like if in triathlon when you're the best swimmer that's my experience <laughs> it just doesn't matter because you got yeah like if you're the best cyclist <laughs> like you can gain a lot of time right? right if you're a great runner like that's the last part when people are tired and then you'll you'll gain an advantage but in the total if you're the best deadlifter you win right and i just happen to have a very strong deadlift kind of randomly but um yeah, like I, I, I back squatted very heavy for myself. Like I set a PR back squat by like 20 pounds or something like that. Um, and then I actually, I had one no rep on the press. So I probably could have won that event if I had my one press count. But yeah, and then I just, I deadlifted heavier than everybody. And I made up like any ground that people, people squatted like 50 pounds heavier than me. But it didn't matter because I deadlifted like 80 pounds heavier than them. Because the deadlift's just a bigger lift. There's more potential. So you just, yeah, it's funny. Like I, I'm not, other than that, I wouldn't say I'm, I don't lift heavy very often. It's not my jam. (laughs) Heavy. It's all relative. It's all relative, Pat. Yeah, (laughs) I guess that's true. That's very true. Um, so I have one question. Oh, for, for the CrossFit total for people that are listening that aren't in CrossFit, it is the total weight of your deadlift back squat and strict press, right? Yeah, I think they do run it in the specific order. So I think you have, and it's it's like to technically do the total properly the way it's supposed to be done, you have four minute windows to do each lift, and you have only three attempts max on each okay. lift. Okay. So you have three tries to hit a head, the heaviest back squat you can in four minutes, and then you move on to a strict press, overhead press. You do the same thing, three tries, max four minutes, and then the deadlift, max four minutes, three attempts. So it's it's like it moves fast. You don't have a lot of time to fool around. It's twelve minutes total and it's nine lifts. Wow. Um, that was fun for me though because I don't like. I think I took I took second overall on that workout, but traditionally I don't I don't win or do extremely well in um, heavy weightlifting events. 
And I've always felt, I've always been kind of annoyed by that because I always look at it as, uh, you know, if, if you're, if you're the guy who's got to work for 25 minutes on like a hard, constant workout to get your hundred points for winning that event. And then buddy gets to walk out and do one lift and get his hundred points. I'm like, that's totally not fair. It's, it seems like I'm like, man, I would love to be the guy that just, that just has it. Like I can like walk out and just win that strength event by, you know, doing their whatever 10 seconds of work compared to, you know, that same year, um, we, we rode a marathon, right? So, right. uh, like Lucas Esslinger, a, guy, a gentleman from Switzerland won that event and he rode for two hours and 45 minutes to do it. But, you know, Royce Dunn from Australia walks out and does nine lifts for a total working time of probably less than 30 seconds right. and he gets hundred points. Right. So I just have to laugh. Like it's different energy systems it's to, and both are valid tests, but it's just like, I would rather be the guy that can rely on that 30 second effort rather than the guy that has to rely on the three hour. Right. Right. <laughs> it's like, right. uh, but I never have been able to. And then that year I actually, I finally did super well in a strength event. And I was like, this is awesome. Like you walk off the field, you still feel like fresh and good. And like, rather than feeling like you're dead, like you just rode a marathon. Yeah. So it was, it was nice. It was definitely a nice change. Yeah. Stella, what question you got? Um, who is your favorite athletic hero? Athletic hero? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Like someone who inspired him growing up or? Yeah. Okay. That's a good question. Yeah, that is a good question. I haven't actually thought much about that. He's Uh, like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't you know if I him. have like like one specific hero. I, I really just I like to look at all kinds of different sports and see the people who are the best in their sports. And I mean there's there's countless documentaries and biographies and all that stuff about, you know, the people who are legends in their sports. Like if you look at, you know, like the Roger Federers, the like Kobe Bryants, the Tiger Woods, like all those guys who dominate their sports for long periods of time. Um I think that they all kind of share certain qualities and some of them have very different outlooks than others. And it's pretty interesting. I just, I think it's cool to just see what sort of environment breeds excellence and what, mm. uh, what, you know, what sort of skills they develop that allow them to succeed in their craft. Uh, and I think you can take a little bit from everybody. Right. Um, so I haven't had like one specific person, but uh, I always, I'm very interested in those, high, high performing elites who somehow like Roger Federer is an anomaly to me. Like, I don't know how he's still winning majors. Right. Um, and that just like, it baffles the mind and it's amazing to see like, what's he doing? How has he been able to do it? Um, how has he changed over the course of his career? Um, you know, our guy like Kobe Bryant, like I watched a huge documentary on Kobe Bryant recently and was like mind blown. Um, so there's like, there's lots of them. I don't, I wouldn't say I have one specific, um, and it's kind of funny because I, the sports I primarily grew up doing, I was a gymnast and I played a lot of lacrosse. And I wouldn't say I have anyone specific in those two sports. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like it, it's just, I think it's just like it's interesting to see and not even just related to sport, like people who are excellent in their crafts, regardless of what they are. Uh, I think you can stand to learn from a lot of different people and everyone has a different style and you can sort of assimilate different different facets of that. But yeah. So how did you actually start CrossFit? Obviously, gymnastics is an excellent segue into the sport, but, you know, it's a lot different than barbell work, for example. So how did you get started? Yeah, I uh, retired from competitive gymnastics before I moved away to university. Um, And I was kind of like, I just was looking for something to do. I was still training a little bit and just kind of generally exercising because I knew I should. Uh, and I was accustomed to it, but I, yeah, I kind of met some friends who were doing some CrossFit. I was doing some style of circuit training and the gym I was at, there were some guys that were doing some CrossFit workouts. And then I just started working out with them. I think one day they hung some rings up and I went and did some work on the ring. With them, <laughs> and and like, I was Whoa. like, <laughs> yeah, I just asked them, I was like, Hey, can I play on these? Like I haven't had the chance to do it in a little while. And, um, and we just got chatting and they're like, yeah, whatever. So I just started working out with them because better than working out by yourself. Uh, and we were doing like, they were doing circuit stuff, which was like these little CrossFit workouts. And I got to learn some new types of movements. Like they helped teach me some little pieces of Olympic lifting and stuff. And that was fun for me to learn, to learn new things again. Cause it had been a while since 
um, I had been able to develop a new skill. And I think that's something you do repeatedly in gymnastics. Uh, you just learn and refine skills nonstop. So um, it was something I was used to and I liked. So it was cool. It was fun to have a new challenge. And uh, yeah, when I came in, my I think my raw strength, like all my barbell stuff was awful. Because uh, I just... I never I had never done it. Like everything in gymnastics is so body weight oriented. I had done a little bit of weight training and stuff, dry line training for lacrosse, but a lot of that too was more agility and speed stuff. So um, I, it was again, it was just like another another hill to climb, and it was another thing to get better at. So I started doing that with them, and I think that first year when I started training with them, they did the open, so I just did the open with them, and that was like 2013. Um, and that was like a good way to get a reality check and get stomped in and, and say, oh, wow, like I'm really not as good as I thought I was at some <laughs> of this stuff. Um, and it was cool. And, like, and I think when you're – I have a certain kind of mindset where I don't – that doesn't sit well with me and I don't like to not be good at stuff. Uh, and I think I just saw a lot of growth potential in, the, in that sport. And I was just like, hey, there's so many things that I just started doing and just learned and I think I can get a lot better at this. And um, – it was nice. It was like engaging training because it was different all the time and there were so many things to learn. And, um, you know, it gave me it gave me a kind of outlet for that competitive energy that I had. Uh, so it was it was just nice. It was just a good fit for me. And I my sort of it was also very linear at the time where back then, you know, you do the open and then if you do well enough then you qualify for regionals. And then if you do well enough, you qualify for the game. So there was such a clear delineated kind of goals and waypoints along the way that uh, it was easy to say like oh you know next year I want to try to qualify for regionals and then you know next year I want to try to qualify for the games and so I just sort of ticked along that track and was able to develop fast I think because of my background I think I, I was able to learn things fairly quickly and you know I think gymnastics is as good a background as you could ask for yeah um there's a lot of there's different ways to look at it like I think when you come from you know a power sports like football background you already are so strong that you know learning to to move weight like build strength that just takes time like regardless of your will to learn it you don't you don't just learn how to back squat 400 pounds in a year even like it takes so much time and patience to learn that that's quite frustrating so that was the situation that I was in um, but you know in the flip side you have to learn so many skills and if you're not used to learning skills, sometimes that can be maddening because as much as you try to practice them, you still just can't quite get it to click. So I was, I was good at learning skills cause I had right. been doing that for years in gymnastics. Right. And you know, it, the gymnastics background in a, into a competitive CrossFit context, it's basically the same sport. Like you compete multiple events. Um, they're kind of exclusive where if you, you know, if you, mess up one event you can still be very successful in the remaining events um you kind of have to have a short memory you learn a lot of skills you can be you have to be very undeterred by failure like you spend hours and days and weeks falling on your head repetitively in gymnastics before you learn how to do anything properly so i think that you become really used to that and so when you know when you miss lifts it doesn't bug you like when you have to train for like a lot of hours in a week it doesn't bug me like I've been doing that since I was a kid right so um it was a good background to come in with and I think it allowed me to to grow quickly but yeah I just kind of fell into it with friends and um and then it yeah it slowly just kind of snowballed and picked up steam like got out of control from there right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's kind of funny to look back and think like I remember like watching the games in 2013 and being like wow yeah like that's pretty crazy Right. And never really thinking that I was going to be there. And then eventually you're just kind of there. Like you make slowly pro slow progress and, you know, go to a couple competitions, compete against some guys who had been there before and then, you know, realize how attainable it actually is. And then right. uh, yeah, before you know it, like you make a lot of small steps and then you're there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have another question for you. All right. But if you could come up with – if you could come up with any movement for Dave Castro to put in the games, what would it be? Oh, that's a good one. Did you just come up with that on the fly? Yeah. Nice. Oh, man. <laughs> See, here's the problem is I don't want to give Dave too many ideas. Well, you know what she always says every time we do a workout, <laughs> she's like, he should put in cartwheels. And I'm like, that's brilliant. Cartwheels down the field. Yeah, something that'll make everybody else really dizzy, but not me. <laughs> right. Yeah, like real. Yeah, she, I could think of stuff that I could like, 
that I could do probably that most other athletes in the field couldn't do. And then that just gives you, I can just relax. I can just cruise and it'll be fine. Cause I'm the only guy that can do it. Yeah. But I don't know, as far as like actual skills that people could do. And hmm, I don't know. It's like, yeah, it's like when people ask us sometimes like, you know, like what's something you would really hate to see show up? Like, I don't want to say, gonna it, say that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you, you can bet that I'm going to see it show up the next time I take the floor. Huh? We'll come uh, back to that after cartwheels. <laughs> yeah, give me a second to think on that, and I'll, well, I'll come of, up with something. Um, something about the games. I heard your interview with Rory, and I thought it was so well done, and that was one of the reasons I reached out to you because I definitely want to broach the sore subject of the 2019 format mm-hmm. and kind of your opinions on that because it was – I tell you as a spectator, it was – very, very disappointing to see, you know, our favorites just be gone out of like, what was it, five events. And so it definitely from a spectator standpoint, it was a huge bummer. But obviously for you guys, it was a massive bummer. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on the format and how you feel now that we're several months removed from it. Um, yeah, I mean, my feelings haven't changed a lot. I don't think, I mean, the other side of it is I don't think it's a huge bummer. Like, yeah, it's, it sucks to not be successful, especially when you become accustomed to a certain level of success. But I think that, um, I don't know, you, you can't always get what you want, right? Like, it, it was fine. Like, the there were some shortcomings, I think, in the system. And there... That's awesome. Sorry. <laughs> no problem. And And there always will be. Like, every system has small flaws in it. So... You know, it's just you have to find a way to be successful in that format. What's going to be interesting is it sounds like they're still, you know, they're changing it again. Um, And so it's I find that somewhat irritating when it's like they just can't stop poking at it. It's like, like, give us a second. Like, just let it sit. Like, you just made massive sweeping changes. Just let it sit for a second. Like, let us catch our breath. And then, like, then you can change something if you want. Right. Um, But I don't know. Like, it's it's a new look. and I think, you know, it, it, it sort of has the one thing I will say is in traditional format where everyone competed in all the events, I think that it provided more validity to the statement, you know, this was the fittest athlete that won. Right. I think it's really hard now to say, you know, we had the fittest athlete win or like these guys were the fittest, whatever, uh, these men and women, because you don't know, like you effectively eliminated most of the field that could probably win some of the events. Like I can tell you with 100% certainty that the gentleman that would have won the max clean event was eliminated. After, yeah, he was, he was already out. Um, like the guy that would have won the swim event probably was out. Like the guys who, like there was people who are going to affect the leaderboards one way or another. Um, so it's, it's unfortunate when they don't get a chance uh, because, you know, sometimes you just, you make a mistake or, you know, the workouts aren't your best ones, but you you get a chance to make it up. And in the past, you know, you see people on the last day come from behind and, and make a huge move and, you know, put themselves into the top 10 or into the top five. Uh, and so I, I think it's sort of like it, it removed a little bit of drama. Um, I know what they were trying to do was provide more drama by like making this crazy point system that was going to uh, maybe allow someone to, to come closer to Matt, which Noah did. But right. I think that what it did, it was it kind of, it, it narrowed the entire games to one storyline. Like when I look back at it, I'm like, okay, so the women's field was completely locked up. Uh, and as soon as they cut it to 10, it was even more of a sure thing. Like no, right. none of, nobody right. was going to mess with Tia. Those, the team event was the same thing. And then the men's event was almost the same thing. Like the only race was Matt and Noah in the whole games. And, um, you know, once it cut to 10, there was really only three or four athletes who could contest with, with, uh, Matt, like it was basically, and no offense to the other guys, like they're great athletes and they earn their spot. But I think that it was basically like Matt, Bjorgvin, Noah, and, and Scott trading blows. And then, and James put in a couple good events with the swim and the bike event. But other than that, like the other guys basically con- continuously took between fifth and 10th. So nobody was stepping into those top finishes right. and, and you need that. Like you just, it, it, it provides drama with a deeper field. You can't like hold back on events cause it's going to be a too big of a point hit. Like it was just, it was, it made it kind of like, I think it was meant to make it more exciting to watch, but it kind of worked in the uh, the opposite direction. Yeah. Yeah. Is, like if it had happened, bad. 
if it had happened at the end of after the clean and jerk ladder, right, would have probably changed things. Uh, yeah, I think that that would have not the clean jerk ladder, still, the max clean and jerk clean. Sorry, I can't talk. Max yeah, clean. Even still, I think that like you you need more athletes. I think being at ten doesn't provide enough a deep enough field to have significant sways in the leaderboard. Um, I think that you just I don't know. It's more fun to have a deeper field. Like I think that these people earn the right to show up and compete, and it, it's sort of tough to to just like ax people like that. I don't know. But I also think that like this is just a different format. Like one of the things you see a lot in some other sports or like in extreme sports specifically is that there's invitationals all the time where, you know, like some sponsor puts on a, a downhill skiing event. that's like, you know, uh, say it's just a, like a mountain top to bottom, big mountain race. And, you know, all the pro skiers show up. Some of them are half pipe specialists. Some of them are big air guys. Some of them are, are slope style people, but everybody goes. And then, you know, when the, when the one guy wins it, who probably is a big mountain skier, then he wins and he gets the prize and everyone's like, wow, that was awesome. But nobody looks at like the half pipe skier and is like, oh, like that guy sucked. Like everyone's just like, oh, I didn't know that guy did big mountain skiing. Um, and it's sort of like, this is sort of what this new format is kind of like, like it's sort of, it may lend itself to a certain specific circumstance. Like if you get a little bit lucky on timing, on programming, um, it can certainly boost your performance. It's not going to get you all the way to the top 10, but it can give you some sort of an advantage. Um, and it's just like at the end of the day, like the guys who didn't make or the men and women who didn't make it into the 10 or into the 20, like it doesn't invalidate their fitness. Right. It just means like, okay, like they were a little bit, they weren't exactly ready for this test or molded for this test. Um, and you know what I mean? Like we don't, those people don't look at that ski event and say the guy who won it is hands down the best skier. Like, oh, he won this, he won this, this event. Right. And I think that now the games has kind of changed itself into that um, with the cut system. That's sort of it's sort of zero tolerance. Like there, there's situations where you know you get a bad, you get a hard judgment call, maybe even a wrong call in the wrong event, and you can be cut. Your games are done. Yeah. And there's just like there's nothing you can do. You don't get the chance to make up for those points. You don't get a chance to do whatever. Like it just it's over. Um. And so that, like that's a bit tough. Uh. When you know you're training for an entire year, say for one event. But on the flip side of that, now with all the sanctioned events, you don't necessarily have to just train your entire year around the games. You can go travel and compete in a circuit and do do multiple events. Um, and so, you know, I think I could see there being eventually, um, you know, a sort of like cumulative point total for maybe the circuit or something like that mm. where where people are like you're maybe the like the fittest on earth title is not given out at the games. It's given out as like a a cumulative point total throughout the circuit and the games is just another event. Uh, but who knows? I think it's, it's an interesting thing. I'll be interested to see, you know, if they change it a bit more this year. Um, I think, yeah, there was, there was certainly some hiccups. Like I didn't compete as well as I could have, and it was too bad. Like I had some, some stuff that I was dealing with and it was, yeah, you know, there's always next year. It's not, again, I don't look at it as like, you know, that doesn't invalidate my fitness. I actually had a great year. Yeah. Uh, other than that one competition and it's too bad. It's too bad. It's the competition that everybody's paying attention to. Right. Right. But, um, the other reality is that now that the season starts so soon, um, it, you don't really, you don't really ride those results for as long as you used to. Like in the past, you know, you, you win the games and then, you know, you're the games champion until February, March of the next year when the season starts. And then it's like, people start, then they start resizing you up and saying like, okay, where are you at now? But now it's not even, it's like two months and people are, <laughs> people, people are already like, where's okay, your off well, season, man? Yeah. They're like, okay, so now like now where are you at? And they're already like remeasuring you. Like now we've already got a brand new leaderboard. So nobody's really caring. Right. Like right. it's all, it's, it's, it's your, you're already like the memory is very short and you're only as good as your last competition. As far as people in CrossFit are concerned, it seems right now. Um, so we'll see. I think that this new system will provide a little bit more framework for, you know, consistency across events when you'll have guys compete at three or four events. And if you're continually finishing, you know, on the podium, that's huge. That's amazing. Um, as opposed to, you know, showing up once a year and taking like a first or second um, that it's like, a you know, it's a sample size of one versus a sample size of like five. You, I think you get a more reliable look at what people's fitness is actually like because, you know, they like things happen. People get lucky. People get unlucky. People have bad calls. People get sick. People get hurt. So if you've only got one sample size for your metric to measure someone's fitness in the 
for the year, it's kind of tough because you can have, you can, we see it all the time. Like even you look at someone like, so Noah had an amazing year at the games this year, uh, finished second was like his best competition ever. If you ask me, yeah, um, but you know, watch. you know, like two months prior to that at rogue, he was invisible. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't, I, I think he, I think he finished in the top 10, but he, he didn't have a great competition and it doesn't make, I don't think in two months, he completely overhauled himself and like, and his fitness changed drastically, especially when everyone else that was at that competition was now also trained training for the games. Like he didn't all of a sudden leapfrog that many people based on his fitness alone. I think at rogue, he probably had a couple hiccups, didn't have a great event. Um, and that sort of stuff happens. Like you get momentum shifts and, and people change. And then, you know, he, he got on a roll at the games and, and just like kept that momentum rolling and he had a great competition. So I think that things like that make a difference. So when you only have that one sample size, like had his one sample size for the year been rogue, everyone's like, oh, you know, tough year for Noah. But now, like, but he competed at the games and did amazing, and it was like, boom, you're done. Mm-hmm. So it, it's interesting. I think that the opportunity now to compete more often will allow that a little more, like, reliable look at people's fitness. And it will make it a bit more fun. Like, you get – somebody gets your number at one competition, and then you get theirs at the next one, and it sort of it, – it turns it into more of, like, a sport. You know, yeah. where you have multiple tournaments, you have multiple games a year. Um, so I think it'll be fun. It'll it'll be it'll make it cool. You might see fun rivalries pop up where guys are showing up at the same events. Um, particularly, you know, if you're uh, competing in the North North American kind of market versus, or like guys in Europe that are showing up at a few of the other European events, and uh, it could be super fun. Like you'll see cool rivalries and cool drama unfold. So I think yeah. there's. It'll be interesting. We'll see what they do with the games, but I think the whole the whole competition circuit now will be pretty fun. Yeah. So you mentioned people are already looking at you and, you know, sizing you up even since the season is so much sooner. So in light of that, Stella, do you have a question? How do you feel about the pressure of social media? <laughs> I'm a funny. It's the eyes of social media are everywhere. It's it's impossible to ignore. Uh, but we do our best it, and it can be very frustrating. I think you, 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 you have this tendency to want to try and explain yourself to people or like you see some offhanded comment that's completely wrong or based on something like that <laughs> yeah. totally doesn't make any sense. And you want to just tell it like every time you see something like that you want to just take the guy aside and be like, Hey, look, like this <laughs> yeah. is why this, this is why whatever, like what the hell man. But <laughs> You you can't like you the best you can do is disengage because you know you like nobody wins when you start arguing on the but internet. Did you have to learn that lesson, or did, have you always been that wise? That's a <laughs> no, lesson I, that I had to learn. Like just disengage, don't engage, yeah, and then disengage. Yeah. But I mean, here I I'm not I'm not better than anybody on that. Like I some days I like I get frustrated and I I like vent on somebody or like make a comment that I just I probably didn't need to do. And, you know, two hours later, I'm like, yeah, you did, you're an idiot. Like, you didn't need to do that. <laughs> but whatever. Like, I'm, we're human, right? And that's what's annoying about it. So I think that oftentimes people look at us and they think, like, you're either A, you're never going to see it, or B, like, we're not like we're not just like you. Yeah. Like, which is absurd and super frustrating because, like, people feel like they can just say whatever about you, like, and it just – it it's annoying. It's like, man, what do you – mean like if and and nobody also people are just get, like gutless on the internet right like people yeah. will say whatever things that they would never say to you in person no and they would like, never say it to you because you could just clock them <laughs> yeah oh no not even like they're they see me in person and they're like oh a huge fan and then like go on the internet and troll you and be like dude <laughs> like what are you doing like so it's super it's super frustrating and you kind of have to remind yourself to disengage and that most of the time i don't know people who are who are making negative comments it, to me it's like people who are going out of their way to make negative comments are probably not that happy of people right. i don't know how they're spending their time doing that but and then beyond that like it's like social media has got all kinds of pressures like you know and i mean my my social media included is like it's a it's a highlight reel right like you post things that you like you post things that are good like very rarely is it a realistic look at people's lives so when i look at you know, my competition or whatever, like little news I'm getting through social media, it's, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Right. Um, and I think it can stress you out if you let it, but you have to be aware that when you start feeling antsy over it, you just be like, Hey, take a step back and hit refresh. Cause it's not necessarily reality. Right. Um, 
but yeah, like it's, it's, we're constantly sized up and measured against each other. And it's, it's hilarious. Like you can't, you can't misstep, right? Cause all of a sudden everybody's worried or like, Oh, what? Like, it's amazing. Like I, this last week we were in Miami uh, and I did the second open workout there with Matt Fraser. Um, oh yes. I saw your yoga. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> But, and like Matt's a good friend and like we, he just spent like the last, you know, month and a half trying to have an off season, trying to build up his barn and like renovate his barn. Like he hasn't been training a ton and like he's still super fit, but like he isn't Matt Fraser who won the games a few months ago, right? Like he's like, he's in off season shape and that's fine. He'll still be certainly fit enough to make, get through the open and whatnot. But he like, you know, he's just he's just not what people expect, but people don't understand that. Like when people think of him, they're like, Oh, he's always just like dialed in Matt Fraser, like in it, like the guy's a human being. Right. And he, and so he's like tr- trying to enjoy some time with his fiance and like do some work and just step away from the sport for like the little bit of time he can. And then now, you know, then the open comes in and like we're two weeks in and he's probably, he's still top 10 in the world, I think. But People for sure are like, oh, what's wrong with Matt? Top like, 10 in the world. And they're yeah, like, oh. and, yeah, exactly. And But like he's not allowed to not be winning ever like because that's the pressure of social media. Like as soon as he's not winning for even a, one event, for even one day, people are like, whoa, what's wrong with you? Like are you okay? Is Matt okay? Like what's happening? It's like nothing's happening. Like the guy is fine. <laughs> so he's just been building a barn for – Yeah. So it's, it's just – it's kind of funny, right? People build their perception of you and – uh, and that's just what they have in their head all the time, right? They don't understand the, the ebbs and flows of things and how, you know, we have lives outside of sport and we're all doing a lot of different things and trying to, we're just trying to keep, put one foot in front of the other, right? Like we put our pants on one leg at a time and it's not, it's the same. Like we, we fight the same battles as everybody else. Right. So it's, uh, it's interesting to see. So I think that sometimes you see things like that and you want to just like slap somebody and be like, dude, like what, what do you mean? Like, what are you what are you saying and i, I sometimes find it i sometimes find it funny or or i find it frustrating a little bit like you know people same thing like talking about someone like matt or some of the other like top top games athletes and everyone's like i feel like they're constantly dehumanized like everyone's like oh you're a beast like you're a machine you're a whatever mm. and i, I want to remind people i'm like he's not like we are not we are he's a man yeah. <laughs> just like you flesh and bone and I, I, like, if you think that like what he's doing is somehow easier because he's a machine, like you're wrong. Like, and I think that it's almost like devalues. Yes. What they've done yes. by doing that. It's like you need to remember that he's like he's not. We're not. We're exactly like you. Well, and it also, yeah, it, that's exactly it. It devalues. And, and to me, it the makes work it all, ethic. It makes it all the more impressive. It's like the, it, he's not a machine. He's not a beast. He's right. a fucking guy. And he's a guy just like me. He's a he's a man just like anybody else. Um, and that, that makes it more impressive. Like imagine now the discipline that takes and, and things like that. Like, so I always like, you know, the internet again has a tendency to do that and everyone just, you get all these like highlights and pictures and whatever. And then all of a sudden you're, people don't even see you as a person anymore. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you so raise a good point. Uh, this, the thing. Yeah. I've actually, I've mentioned that before to people and tried to like remind and be like, Hey, look, like just remember, like when you, when you watch the games or things like that, like, yeah, no, these guys aren't, they aren't machines. Like these men and women are not like they're just people who who work really hard. They sacrifice a lot and they're disciplined and they, you know, they they're just doing something that you could do. They're just doing it a little faster. They're lifting a little heavier. And it doesn't. uh, And to me, that makes it more impressive. Like, I think that that's the thing is it's it almost like like I said, it, it takes it takes credit away when you're like, man, what an animal. It's like, no. Yeah. Like yeah. no, they're not, like she's a mom. Like this guy's a dad. Like this guy's whatever. Like they're just they're just people, right? So, right. and I think well, that that's very inspiring in its own right. And that's something that I think social media sometimes will remove from you. Yeah, like, and it's like you're, they're, you're, you're lucky humanity a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, there's certainly some genetics and some background and you know timing and luck definitely, definitely. plays into everything. But yeah, you're right. It it devalues the tremendous amount of hard work that you guys put in and. Um, yeah, I like that a lot. So let's talk a little bit about mindset kind of in that same vein. Um, you know, I, I don't know how you, I, I don't think you guys are machines, but I still, the tremendous amount of pressure when that 
countdown, you know, when that goes off and, and you're just out there, like, how do you get your mind around the lead up for the games? Or does that, is that what's built in training? Is that what you've been building your whole life being a competitive gymnast? Like what, what is your kind of view around mindset? I think my gymnastics background definitely helped because uh, that's a performance sport almost like the, more than a lot of others like there's there's you know gymnastics like figure skating stuff like that are very you get one shot uh you could have done this nailed Wait, it we thought million, you were a figure time. skater sorry <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> no wasn't there something in your oh yeah there? on that yeah on all in yeah <laughs> yeah a lot sorry, of people did flattering <laughs> But, lit uh, up when you said figure skating. Oh, that was hilarious. Well, okay, you know, those, those are sorry. sports that are like you get you you have one chance. Like you know, you could have done it a hundred times flawlessly in training, but when you step on the competition floor, you get one opportunity and that's it. Um, so in in high pressure performance sport like that, I think you you do build a little bit of a a steel mentality, and you're pretty unflappable. And that's something that's definitely helped me succeed. Um, but it is also, I mean, if you think that we don't feel the pressure, like everybody does every time, uh, and it never gets easier. Like, and it's, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, when I, when I do an open workout or not, like not even for a competition, like when I start almost any workout, like I'm stressed and I'm nervous and I want to make sure that I'm, you know, doing everything to the best of my ability to get the most out of that, that training stimulus that I can and, or like, you know, maximize my score, um, so we get super stressed about that stuff. Everybody does. And it's because, you know, you care a lot. I think that's what me that's what makes you stressed is you're you're very concerned about uh, your performance because you value it a lot. Um, but I think it's just something that you slowly get a little more used to. And I think the more you do it, you get you just get used to what to do with that nervous energy um, and how to use it to your benefit. And it just yeah, I think it yeah, it never really gets easier. It never really changes a ton, but you kind of get, you just kind of get used to it. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But it's stressful all the time. It's definitely. Yeah. It, it seems it's funny. a little stressful. <laughs> like I've definitely, I've definitely got a few wrinkles over the years from yeah. listening to clocks countdown and. Oh my gosh. Yeah. All right, Stella, let's ask this one. Do you have any advice for a young athlete like me who wants to go to the games? Uh, yeah. When and not want, run. When do you want to go to the games? Uh, 2024, is that right? When it, she is, she's turning 11, so I think 14 is, like, the first opportunity. Um, we got our first rope climb recently. We're hitting some double unders. So right. she has no gymnastics or weightlifting background whatsoever, but she picked up a barbell um, about, what, a year and a half ago? Yeah. So my husband and I are former Olympic weightlifters, and we always okay. said, we're not going to have any, we're not going to let our kids lift weights. We're not going <laughs> to let them do it. And so we gave her a PVC pipe, showed her how to snatch. And the first snatch, I was like, well, I guess we're not going to be able to fight this because <laughs> <laughs> she just moves really well. Um, so she, you know, the big thing is the gymnastics movements. I think, like you said, acquiring those skills is, is tricky, but I think, you know, there's a shot maybe in three years. I think it's not out of the question. Yeah. I would say that now with the team divisions, it's, it's interesting. Um, cause that didn't exist when I was starting and mind you, even if it did, I didn't start CrossFit till I was like 23 or 24. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't have mattered. But, um, I think that, it's the problem that I see with teen divisions is it can be very frustrating for athletes because a lot of it depends on when you grow. Um, I think that the, the the teens that win the teen divisions or and they only take ten, I think, to the games. So really, you need to be one of the very very best to even make it. Um, and often that it, it depends on like I know for sure on the on the boys side. I don't know on the girls as well, but um, the boys who are who are winning or qualifying are are just their men like they're just by far and away more developed than the other athletes and like if you look at even the podium versus the guy who finishes in seventh or eighth it's just like this was a, a man competing against boys yeah um and so that can be it can it cannot necessarily ref- reflect your ability um because you just you know let's say someone next to you is handling the weights like it weighs nothing because they're 20 pounds heavier than you um it, it's just like it's it's a skewed test so I always kind of looked at it as, you know, if you want to have, and then like my, then after that, like we've had, I don't think we've had really, I don't know, Haley Adams competed at the games this year, but 
other than that, like the, there hasn't really been any teams that have con- converted over to the open division and had much success. Right. Uh, a lot of the old team champions, especially again on the boys' side, is the one that I know. But I think there's been like two kind of generations of teen champions who don't even really do CrossFit anymore because they right. just like they burnt out. And that's my um, concern too to compete yeah. at that kind of level. I mean, that's what, what I did, and I was done at 19 with, yeah. with weightlifting. And so I, that that's yeah. why I, I ask, when do you want to compete at the games? Right. Because I think that there is a risk involved with like shining bright and hot really early. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you come in and you know you want to go all out and all in for the to be a, the team champion, that's great. But it it may not necessarily translate into a career as a games athlete in the open category. Um, I always sort of looked at, you know, when you're younger, um, that's when you should really like learn all your skills. Well, polish all your skills, get all your movement patterns. So dialed in that, you know, once you grow and you're ready to start moving weight and doing things, it it all comes super easily and you can start to, you know, deal with more volume, deal with things and and your body won't be beat up over it. Right. Um, that's the key too. Like, how do you stay injury free? Yeah, growing yeah. and yeah. Um, so I think a, a lot of it is just just really, really polishing movement patterns. That's what I would focus primarily yeah. on. And then, yeah, I mean, if it if you're doing well anyways and it feels good, you can by all means compete and like right. get you know get your skill competing and get used to that because it is an it's a different kind of feeling competing on a competition floor. And I think that there's a skill involved in that as well. That you know, I beat athletes all the time that I think are fitter than I am but I think I just compete better and I manage the stress of competition better than some people so it allows me to be successful and I think that that's a skill that you also need to develop um, but that also is not necessarily a skill that you only develop by competing in CrossFit like I said I, I developed a lot of that by competing in gymnastics by you know like you there's guys who are great competitors because you know they've played in championship games in other sports and they've dealt with that kind of pressure and it's the same um like being able to perform under pressure and, and being dealing with how that that affects your body. So I, I always like my personal thoughts on it is, you know, when you're young, play some sports, like go play sports, soccer, play do, some soccer, do, do, <laughs> do CrossFit, like do it. Um, don't necessarily put all your time and focus into it. Because um, I like I just personally, I, I played a lot of sports growing up. And I, I loved it. I made a lot of great friends. I, I built a lot of skills. I think I'm better now for having done it so i always just kind of think that way and i mean my path isn't necessarily the best path but it's just one of those things that i think you can develop a lot of different skills um and you know you know meet people it's like it's a social experience playing sports so there's a lot of value in that i think and then you know you can do your crossfit as your you know your dryland training or your your training for your sport and then also learn all those skills and you know in your off seasons or whatever like go compete and have some fun with it um i would i would never i would never tell anyone to focus on being a teen games athlete um again if it if it happens because you're just like you're well prepared and you perform really well then that's amazing but i wouldn't i wouldn't like overly value it just because like it I said, it doesn't have longevity. That's yeah, and and, and it's yeah. not and it's not necessarily representative. Like you might get beat by someone that you are you are way more skilled than you you probably should be, but they're just like they're more grown than you, and it's not it's it wasn't a fair competition really, yeah, uh, because they divided you by age and not by weight or not by you know whatever. So it it just you you may find yourself in situations like that, and if you're overvaluing the concept of you know making it to the games as a teen, that will become very frustrating. And you might find yourself, you know, your motivation dwindling because you're like, oh, I, I just can't compete with, you know, these bigger, stronger women. Um, so, yeah, that that's like there's a risk if you if you really like wrap your head around, you know, I need to go as a teen um, that that might happen. Because, I mean, I had uh, a couple of athletes that trained with me while I was in Toronto, some young gentlemen from around there two years in a row, two different kids that were competing in the teen divisions. And the one year the guy competed was like, I don't know what, fifth or sixth in the the 14 15 and then aged into the 16 17 and didn't make it the next year and you know so it's because and it's because he he hadn't quite filled out like now all of a sudden he's competing against 17 year olds that are men and he just like the weights were a little bit too heavy like they were moving them he moves super well but there was just like there was no way there was no way for him to compete against those men so and and then you know once at that point once you've 
you identify yourself as, you know, I'm a games athlete, da, 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 that's really tough. Uh, I think that's a tough pill to swallow. And, you know, then I think I hopefully this year he competes again and makes it back um, now that he's had some time to catch up and grow a little bit. But those are just like those are factors way outside your control that, I mean, if you let that get in your head, it can be it could be a little bit disastrous. So yeah, I would just that's some really good advice. To steer people away from it because that's just, you know, I mean, if you can't control it, it's just like it sucks and it can be very, very frustrating. Right. That's some good advice. That's good advice. Good advice. Yeah. Okay. So one, um, so what's next for you? I mean, obviously you're in the middle of the open being judged on social media and got some hate coming <laughs> at you. But other than that, what, what do you, so you said you graduated, like what's next for you? Yeah. So I'm right now. So I just moved to the West coast. Um, I live on Vancouver Island now, so I'm still kind of getting myself oriented here. I graduated at the end of June, uh, just before I started ramping up for the games. So I'm going to try to, I've got a clinic I'm going to look at working at in the new year. So I'm trying to get myself set up for that. And then I'll start working, you know, part-time there, um, as well as training and competing. Um, the next little while, I don't know, I've got like a couple little trips. I'm just trying to spend some time with my partner and give her the time that she deserves before I get too crazy with competing <laughs> and work. Since we didn't exactly have the off season to enjoy each right. other's company, yeah, two days, so two days. <laughs> it's uh, and then the two days were spent like moving frantically across the country, right? So, <laughs> um, but I think we've got you know I've got three weeks of the open still that I can try to be fine. I'm going to be in Boston for the last week doing an open announcement with Annie Thor's daughter. What? So, That's where we live. Wait, can we go? Well, there you go. <laughs> When I'll be that? there. When will you be uh, there? It's the last week of the open, so I think it's. Let me see. I have it on my she, phone. She's here. hyperventilating, and Annie too. Did <gasps> you hear that? That's no. okay. Yeah, so we're both uh, in Boston at Reebok uh, doing that. So let's see here. Well, we'll have to do that. So that's before. So that'll be November seventh. Oh, we're out of town. You're gonna have to get Grammy to take you. <laughs> Grammy will take you. Grammy's an adventurer. That's funny. That's let's awesome. See. Uh, I just want to make sure I'm not for yeah. That's awesome, yeah. man. Cool. Week week four is on Halloween. That's fun. Yeah, Spooky. yeah. Yeah. So November seventh, uh, I'll be in Boston doing that. Uh, and then I'm gonna compete in Dubai in December. And then yeah, probably I'm getting a dog in mid November. So <laughs> you know, lots of fun stuff coming on. Yeah, stuff absolutely. Busy, you know. But. Absolutely. Well, I've got one more question for you. Um, this podcast is called The Same 24 Hours, meaning that we all have the same 24 hours in our day. We're not machines, um, but it's what we do and choose to do in those 24 hours that makes our greatest health, happiness, and success. So I want to get a Pat Vellner uh, life hack. What is something that you do on a daily basis that you think helps contribute to your greatest health, happiness, and success? Um, two things, I think. Uh, one is that I, I plan my days out. I tend to spend my evening trying to like look at my next day and figure out how where everything's going to be. So I, by the time I get up the next day, I pretty much just walk through my plan. So I, I'll figure out, you know, what time do I need to be places? Where where do I need to go? What am I, when am I going to eat? What am I going to eat? Like, sort of lay out just a rough plan of what the day is going to look like. So, you know, I get up in the morning, I get dressed, I eat what I knew I was going to eat. I get in the car, I drive Michelle, drop her off at work. I go to the gym, I go to get groceries. I run my errand, I go pick her up at work. I come home and like everything's, the thinking's kind of taken out of it. And it just makes mm -hmm. you feel less frantic and a little more in control of your day. Um, and the other thing is that I, I try to not spend too much time doing one thing at a time. Um, Whenever, when I was in school, I think the only way I survived was by splitting my time well and effectively. Mm -hmm. um, so the way I, the way I, the I work, and again, this is different for everybody, so don't take it as gospel. But when I would study, you know, I could only study for probably two hours at a time before I started really, really losing steam. And you know, you start to read the same thing over and over and right. not retain. Thing. So mm -hmm. to me, I would try to say, okay, you know, today I'm going to, I'm going to study in the morning for a couple hours. I'm going to go to the gym for a couple hours. Then I'll go back to the library. I'll study for a couple hours. I'll work out again and then I'll go home. And I had like blocks. I had like little chunks of my day delegated to different things. 
and as long and I was pretty good at transitioning quickly from one thing to another. So I would really get a lot done in a day just by quickly moving from one thing to another and putting focused attention into what I was doing at a time. When I was studying, I wasn't thinking about my training. I wasn't thinking about you know, whatever else I was going to do because I had already planned it the day before. I knew what was going to happen. And when I show up to the gym, I do my job. I do all the work I need to do. And then I leave and I leave that at the gym. And then I'm able to move on to my next thing and just sort of try to keep yourself focused on your task at hand. And I found that doing that really helped me stay focused because, you know, when I hit that later mark, I start, that's when your mind starts to wander and that's why you stop being effective. So I was able to do, you know, I I would, this is probably don't, maybe don't let Stella hear this, but I didn't go to a lot of, a lot of lectures uh, in school because it just, this lectures moved slowly. um, And I found that for certain classes, I could learn the material, you know, I could move through the material at double the speed that the class did. I did that so, too, Pat. I, when yeah. I was in law school, I quit contracts. I was like this urban legend because I went to the first week and I was like, this is a waste of time. He's reading the book to me. And yeah. so I quit <laughs> and then I showed yeah. up for the final exam and got a B plus. And I was like, see, you didn't need to go to class. <laughs> yeah. And so that's, I did that for almost all my classes. Anything that was mandatory, I'd show up to anything that wasn't, I didn't show up to without exception. And that, so what that did is it gave me time in the day now where I could go to the gym in midday and whatever, but it means that you had to be very effective with your, your time. When you, when you were going to study, if you said you were going to be doing the material at whatever pace, like you had to get through it. I was still responsible for all that material. And it meant, you know, some days I was, I was cramming for tests or doing certain things, but I always got it done and I always got all my training done and I was able to kind of hop from one thing to another because I made sure when I was burning on the studying, I was, it was, it was very effective work. Yeah. And then when I was at the gym, I was highly efficient, highly effective. Like I wasn't standing around between sets chatting. Like I got in there, I got everything I needed to do done and then I left. And then, so I think it was figuring out whatever it means to you. Like, I mean, as an adult learner, like you figure out what, how you learn the best and you just do that. Like, don't do it. Don't do it the way somebody else is doing it just because they're doing it that way. If you know what works best for you, you do that. And so that's what I did. And I just sort of unapologetically just didn't show up for stuff and got got all my stuff done. and, And I was, I was able to sort of live that double life as a result. But, and like now I'm going to, try to do the same thing when I start working as you know I ha- I know when my work shifts are going to be and I'll know when I need to train and what times that what how much time I'm going to have to reset and eat and whatever between training and work and just make sure that I do that but I think by compartmentalizing things and not letting things bleed over and spill over into each other you're able to be highly effective and get more done yeah well that's awesome oh actually I have one more yeah I, give it so, give it <laughs> again this is sort of part of my planning scheduling thing but um, I always find, you know, people procrastinate big tasks because if you feel like they're going to take a lot of time or whatever it is, it's always, it, things look daunting when you look at them from the outside. So when I, whenever I feel like I have, a, I need to get a lot done in a day and I have trouble getting momentum like anybody does, um, I do a lot of like stupid small tasks to get momentum uh, and just to check boxes. Like the more boxes you check, you you get you get this high from that. Like you get pumped up because you're accomplishing tasks. Yeah. And like, I love accomplishing tasks. It's just like, it's, it makes me feel great. So when I, you know, it, whether it's just in the morning I get up and I'm like, Hey man, I have, you know, all these errands to do. I've got these calls. I've got these emails to answer it. I feel like I've got a, a large workload that I have to get through. I will just start by like, you know, I'll make breakfast. I eat, I'll do the dishes. I'll clean the table. I'll put whatever this away, like I'll start the laundry. And all of a sudden I'm like, man, you're on a roll. <laughs> and it's like, you know what? Bring on these calls, like bring on these emails. And you just like, once you feel like you're on a roll and you've got that momentum, you can, you can do anything. And then like you do a lot of small tasks and then all of a sudden your big tasks don't seem so daunting. Um, and you, you're ready, you're ready to attack them. Cause you're just in, you're in like high efficiency mode and you're, you're in like effective, like task accomplishing mode. So it's just, it's sort of like a mental switch that you can hit and just like, you know, you, you, you do a couple small menial tasks that are nothing tasks. And then all of a sudden you just feel like a rock star and you're like, yeah, I got this. This day is going to be nothing. And then you just, it's fine. And then it's like, nothing's that complicated. You just have to get your feet moving and get yourself rolling. And then that's like an easy trick that I've had to, to get myself moving. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Pat, for your time. Thank you. No problem. Stella, I wanted to answer your question about a new movement. So Mm -hmm. I would say 
if it could be not something that we could do in the open probably, but if I could do something for like a sanctioned event or the games, maybe you could do it in the open. I think an over under would be very interesting. Like even say you just loaded a bar in the rack. Mm-hmm. So it was like waist height and then you had to jump over it and then crawl under it and go <laughs> over and under and over and under. That would be, that would be <laughs> I think that would be hard for people because it's, I think that there are certain things that people who are, there's some people who are very, very good at CrossFit movements, but aren't very athletic, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So I think some movements like that would expose people who are very good athletes, like they're very agile, they're, they're snappy, they're, they're coordinated with their bodies outside of these specific movements that they've been taught to do. So I think that that would be a, that would be one that might expose some people who are a bit, you know, a bit sloppy with their jumping or maybe a, but not as coordinated. They might start bumping into stuff and knocking the bar off. The thing. <laughs> it might be fun to do. Oh, that's a <laughs> but it'd be hard. It'd be like two times as hard as burpees. Probably. Oh, I know. Gosh, aerobically. Deaf. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I wanted to come back to that for you. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Thank All right. You. Thank you guys. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the same 24 hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.